everybody and good morning Leslie from Starbucks. Good morning everybody. Sorry we're broadcasting from Starbucks today. We had to get an early start on the road to Western PA. How is everybody today, Pammy? How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's Saturday. It's a lazy day. Of course, when you're retired, every day is Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Don't rub it in, girl. Don't rub it in. All right. All right. Okay. I That's good. <laughs> no, it's good. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad you have a relaxing day ahead of you, I hope. Not too much running around? Um, I, I've not got some errands to run. Nothing big, though. Tomorrow's the big day. Oh. Tomorrow is the Tell big. us about what's uh, going on Mean Girls. Mean Girls and Lunch. Uh ho with the crew. <laughs> so Mare and her buddies are going to the screening? Yes, for the screening of Mean Girls. Oh, fun. That should be oh, so much fun. That will be. I don't think I saw the first one. But what I found out, I found out something really interesting the other day. Was, I was flipping through something. I don't know what it was, and there was this clip from... Uh, Lindsay Lohan uh -huh. with Howard Stern. And she was talking about, this was like in 2019, that, that he said, I hear there's talk of redoing Mean Girls. Or, and they said, she said, well, you know, they haven't approached me on it. When we signed our contracts, we all had to agree that it was okay to do. Mm, interesting. So interesting is right. So yeah, so that's, uh, that's what we're doing. Yeah, and apparently she signed off on it. It's getting uh, great reviews, you know. I don't even know who's in it. In the <laughs> Mean Girl universe. That's such a cult classic, though. And anything Tina Fey does is, uh, you know. Upper Darby Zone. That's right. Philly Girl. Delco. Philly Girl. Delco shouting out yeah, in fact uh, you know the the guy he did um mayor of Eastwick or Eastwood? Eastwick or East, Town, East, Town. East Town. Um he was a he's a fellow alum from my high school. Oh really? Yeah, he is. He graduated about ten, twelve years ago. But oh. he is doing another 
show in Delaware County, so that should be because they asked um, my uh, brother-in-law, his brother, if he would do, um, if they could use his house for moving. Really? Yeah, yeah. And he was, he was like, I don't know. And I know my sister and brother-in-law were approached to use their house um, here for the success. Oh, that's so and, cool. And the production company was going to be paying all the neighbors $10,000. And they would, re they'd come in and they'd redo, you know, they'd do the house the way they wanted to see it. And then they would redo the house the way you wanted it. As well as pay for, like, if you're living off, you, have, you can't live in your house, so you know, they'll pay for that and all that kind of stuff. And it turned out that my, when they came to see it, um, the neighbors were excited about it, but the police were not too excited about it because of the trailers and everything, so they couldn't get the permits to do it. Really? Yeah. I remember, I mean, I, re I know you've told me that, but I forgot that the that was kind of the main issue. Yeah, yeah. Because you have to, have to get the permits so, to block the roads and everything. In fact, a lot of times when they film in Philadelphia, like they did a while ago around the uh, Academy of Music, right. Uh, they have a big notice that goes out uh, to the county saying, you know, these streets are going to be closed off because of right. this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the nature of uh, production, right? I mean, we've mm -hmm. seen that with mm -hmm. Passion Flicks. They have to have everything uh, blocked off so they can get the shot. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Anyhow, and and Betty Betty was even Betty was asking, would anyone watch a Mean Girls film if it were Krista, Ava, and Singer and Julia's ex friend Natalie? <laughs> Betty, you're fabulous. Yeah, I'd watch that. I, you know, it would be fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you need someone who's not a Mean Girl too. Yes, yes, you do. You really do. Well, and I think they'd all they'd all go after each other. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. probably they'd try to one up each other. I, I didn't see the first first one, so I don't know what the story's about. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. You you should watch. You actually should. That's what you should do today. You should watch the first one today. The first one mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. okay. I'll see if I can find it. I I don't know it. I would think it has to be streaming somewhere. Um, I would think anyway. I'd have to see. <laughs> Brenda's like, no, Betty, I'll pass. <laughs> Shell said, singer or well, yeah, is to, Regina some... George. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Betty said see, that. I, I, um, maybe a casa could go undercover. Streaming is an interesting concept because there's a, a TV show in uh, Canada that I would love to uh, stream because one of my high school classmates was in it for the five years it was on TV. Mm, I love it. And yeah, and uh, you know he, he was he was such a great guy and, and he loved he loved the theater he loved arts and he moved to Toronto to work with Second City and that's how he and he got a whole bunch of TV parts from there. So. I we can check it out. I, I know sometimes things are not available, but 
Hopefully yeah, it's not available yet. I have, I, have, I have it on my watch list. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I so. love it. Well, hap happy well, 13th of January, everybody. Yes. Yes. I'm hoping for great We're things today. We're going into the deep freeze. Yes. We're going into the deep freeze. We are. We are. The, and, the winds are blowing and it's going to have a severe temperature drop. We're going to be, um, I guess, matching where our dear friend Shell is in Vegas right now at 29 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh -huh. It's in the 40s right now. Not far from there. It's in the 40s now, but it's going to drop significantly. Oh, Elena. Congratulations. Congratulations. 35 years ago today, she married her soulmate. She's happy. Yes, she said we've actually been a couple for 42 years, but married for 35. I guess I'll keep them. That is a wonderful milestone. That is. I love that. that. I hope you have a wonderful time. I hope you get to do something special today to, or this week to celebrate your 35 years of marital bliss. <laughs> and Elena said, I picked a Friday the 13th to get married. 13s and 7s are my lucky numbers. And Elena, that is so amazing because I am, that is, I am the same. Those are my numbers as well. Are they, they are, yeah. They are. Well, I'm a, I'm a lucky baby. I'm a seven eleven or eleven seven since I'm November seventh. So uh -huh. seven was my birthday, and I usually have lots of wonderful things happen on the thirteenth or around the number thirteen. So there yeah. you go. Betty also considers thirteen a lucky number. So, but that's wonderful. Really, really great, Elena. Yeah. That is great. That is great. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. She said, we're going to be waiting after this storm for a special dinner out. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. I don't yeah, because it was a nasty one. We got lots of, mm. we had snow at this time last week. We had our big snowstorm. And then everything we got a ton of rain and we were under flood watches and uh -huh. fortunately now it's drying out and we're going to get the deep freeze. So at, there oh, you go. Anna was born on the 13th. So I have a lot of friends who were born on the 13th, Anna. So I have a friend who's a March 13th baby and another one who's a September 13th baby. So yes. And Brenda, I agree. May the weather pass quick. I know Wednesday, I think Tuesday, we're supposed to get some bad, bad weather. And the TV series that I'm looking for is Wind at My Back. Okay. Yeah, someone in the chat had said there was a Canadian show that they enjoyed. And it's called Saving Hope. Betty recommends that. She loved that show, she said. So. Yeah. Oh. My my friend played Max, the detective. I love it. So. Oh, and Anna also shares a September 13th birthday. That's her birthday as well. Yep, my friend Dave is uh, September 13th. So, wonderful. Well, 
So beware. <laughs> I think it's a great time to celebrate. A great time to celebrate. It is. It is. Oh, and Floor just joined us so as well. well. Good morning, Floor. Good morning, Good. Floor. So we have not heard from Fearless Leader yet today. Yes. So we, I don't have any real news for you other than um, I believe that the uh, um, the, sh- uh, the Roman is out, out back out on uh, as an ebook, and that Gabriel's Inferno was on sale for $1.99, the Kindle edition. And yes. it had, 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 been, had gone into the top 100 of Amazon. But I don't know what's going on after that, if it's still available on that or not. So we will find out at some point in time, I'm sure. Yes, yes. I'm hoping I'm he's sure. doing something fun and fabulous. Um, and Betty just said the sale is over. Yeah, I was just going to... I was just looking it up to try and confirm that. So, um, yeah, that sale is over. But yeah, I think, as you mentioned, we still have the Roman. And mm-hmm. we still have the beautiful films that Passion Flicks produced for us. Yep. And if you haven't had a chance to watch the final installment... Highly recommend. Absolutely. Really, really was beautifully done. Absolutely. Beautifully done story. The acting was wonderful. And the music, the uh, original music by Red Carter is very, is is Mm -hmm. great. So it should be lots of fun. Yes, absolutely. And just a reminder too, you can still read, um, SR continues to post blog posts um, on, on the advent on page. his uh, website, right? So, and some of those are very lo- are a lot mm-hmm. of fun. Yeah, blanket is back at the uh, passion flick shop, and Floor can't wait to complete her DVD collection. Yes, yes, I need to. <laughs> I need to. I need to start and collect them before that's too late. Um, mm-hmm. But I know Passion Flicks has, you know, been pretty good about getting them in, in stock. So, as they can, as, as they, they can. can, and we're really glad um, that we've had so much attention and so much love. Um, from the Passion Flicks folks for this beloved series because we've had a lot of opportunities for merchandise. We've had a lot of opportunities for um, being able to purchase things. They've been pretty good about that. So, mm-hmm. um, and and from what I, and from what I understand, Wallbangers now completed uh, the filming. That's great. Uh-huh. That's great. Uh, Elena That's noted cool. she's lost count of how many times she's watched uh, Redemption Part 3. <laughs> she said, I'm reevaluating my life. <laughs> hey, you know, sometimes. Hey, look, when you're stuck in I a know. snowstorm in Maine, you have permission to watch that over and over again. And over mm-hmm. and over again, yep. And then <clears throat> the other thing is the um, there. If, if you go way back into... I, 
don't know whether it was a Florentine or in the man in the black suit. We interviewed Alice Clayton with Nina uh, when Roman Crazy came out. So if you, if you go way, way back in the archives, you might be, find it. We should try and re- we should try and find that link. Yeah, I I only was on part of that. I remember uh, I had to do something, and I couldn't join until the last part um, to hear Alice and Nina because. They're funny together. They really are funny together. They are. Lori says she can't they wait are. for Wallbanger, too. She's excited about I it. I know. That's going to be so yeah. much fun. That will be so they much fun. We put out some promotional stills on the Passion Flicks account yesterday. And it looks like the, the chemistry looks really good between those two characters. Very excited. Well, that yeah. sounds cool. That sounds very cool. Yes. So, shall we start? Yes, we're after celebrating uh, Paul's birthday uh, belatedly last week, which was super fun. And thanks again to Betty and Perling for making that happen. Um, We are now on chapter 29 of Redemption. And this is a a pretty big, um, it's an emotionally charged chapter. It is. It, this one's a tough mm-hmm. one. It really is. Um, Betty notes she hasn't read Wallbanger, but the film will premiere in the spring. And the world needs more Paul. <laughs> of course it Mark does. Mark's safe from Paul's birthday, Shell said. <laughs> and Flora's reading Wallbanger now, and is, she said it's hilarious. I love her cat Clive. Yes, there's... I love that book. The, I have to reread it, though, but I, did, I, I loved it. I laughed the entire yeah. time. I think it's a really good one to read during this time of year when you need a little lift. Um, if you're living in the north and it's cold and it just is kind of a sunny little fun um, fun escape from the, the snow and the cold. So, mm-hmm. But we're moving attention now back to our beloved Emersons. And the chapter begins uh, kind of with a reflection on Julia. Or I should say with Julia reflecting, she had been staying away from her emails and phone messages since Paul sent his devastating email to her. And she had decided to honor his request and not respond back to the email. Um, it had been a few days and, you know, during her contemplation, she realized that their paths would cross eventually in the academic world and decided to leave it with the hopes that as time passed, that they would be able to rekindle their friendship when he was more accepting of her marriage to Gabriel. She really wasn't happy with the way it ended, though through an email rather than speaking to each other. Um, So she's kind of avoided her laptop for a couple days because, you know, she just didn't want to have to kind of deal with the fact that she had this harsh um, break in a friendship that she valued. I thought, you know, I understand her 
taking a little pause. And I also, I think she was realistic in knowing that she would end up seeing him again uh, because of the nature of their academic work. Um, so I thought that was kind of a realistic approach. Um, and I, you know, I can understand her not being happy that he addressed her in person, you know, in that email as opposed to in person. It. Oh, it's a lot better than email than a text message say, I'm done. Right. <laughs> or as uh, they did in a really funny Sex in the City episode on a post-it note. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else remembers mm -hmm. that episode. I laughed so hard. Because, yeah, I do. Remember oh my that. gosh, yeah, uh, having a relationship end via post-it, I think, was just a, a brilliant, creative, <laughs> um, creative take on breakups. Betty notes she would be devastated <laughs> if Paul didn't want to be my friend anymore. And Betty, I know you would. Be. Yeah, but you have not given him any pause to, <laughs> to end that. So, so, you know, she decided to open up the email and Alina said, Betty Paul would never do that to you. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. So she was decided she better check her messages and she saw, um, that there was a message from her father and Shell had a right point too. Uh, Betty, you have no Gabriel to come between you, which is true. That's true. So the message from her father sounded pretty dire. Um, <laughs> Jules, call me on my cell phone as soon as you get this message, dad. So I remember first reading this chapter and I remember when I saw that, I thought, number one, this is odd that he is emailing her to call. Why didn't he just call? Like, what's going on? I thought it was very mm -hmm. odd that you, he would say it in an email, um, not in a text. And, you know, because his emails and voicemails were usually short and to the point, you know, that didn't cause her much you know, surprise, but she's, this one seemed urgent and she picked up the kitchen phone and dialed his cell phone number. And her dad picked Jules, he said, as Julia asked what was going on. And he was struggling to find the words, but told her they were at the hospital. So right away, he kind of knew something was happening. Um, and email is the new written letter communication. Personal, but eliminates the instant response. Very true, Anna. Very mm -hmm. true. Mm -hmm. And Betty said maybe, maybe the time difference or maybe he thinks she's busy, which is why he would have emailed. This is true because they're, they're still in Italy. They're still in Umbria. Yes, they are. I wish I was in Umbria. But no, I, I don't think that they wanted to speak right. personally. right. It's like text messages, the new call. Right, right. <laughs> and it's it's actually making it, people are having more challenges with interpersonal communication, I think, because they're not yeah. being forced to communicate verbally. Um, 
And Betty says, I can't figure out. No one text messages in this world, only emails. <laughs> Betty, I text message. <laughs> so. I text. I call. I text. <laughs> I run rampant over the. No. <laughs> you do. You do. Um, so, anyway, it was a text, and then Julia picked up the phone and, and did respond to his request to give her a call, to give him a call. And when we heard the hospital, we thought, gosh, that could have gone so many different directions. And she said, why? What's, what's going on? What happened? What's wrong? And as Gabriel walked in the kitchen, she mouthed that it was her dad. And Tom continued that they had gone to the doctors for an ultrasound. They were supposed to find out the sex of the baby, but then they identified that there was something wrong. And Julia asked, and he said it was the baby's heart. Tom's voice broke on his last words, saying, my son. Um, Dad, Julia said, her eyes were starting to fill with tears and sniffles. Where are you guys? Where are you? And Tom noted that they were at Philadelphia's Children's Hospital, um, otherwise known as CHOP, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Um, and they had agreed to see them right away. Once this was identified, they were able to get seen. Now, CHOP is not close to where Tom lives it's i would no. say probably from sealand's grove it's a good probably three hours give or take yeah how long it takes me about an hour and a half to two hours to get to your house and you're how I'm far from there? 45 minutes okay and i'm about 20 minutes yeah. from chop yeah so in, in fact a couple of my friends were from out of high school were nurses at chop after they got out of nursing school oh yeah i had I had friends who had worked there too. I mean, it's a really well-respected um, institution. You definitely know you're in good hands um, when you're there. It's a really great. It's number twelve in the country. Yeah, it's number twelve in the country, but it's a, it's an excellent hospital for uh, cancer treatments and and heart ailments and all kinds of stuff with kids. They've even done a couple of. Uh, um, of the you know the Siamese twins oh, separations yeah. with great success. So. And I'm going to just so you can kind of get a sense of the the hospital. I'll put the link in. And you know this part of the story is so I've sad. Got, I've got, um, yeah. You know, poor baby boy. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just. Uh, Betty says, poor Tom and Diane, this must be parents' worst nightmare. Um, truly, truly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Anna was curious, uh, Pam, how far from Belmont Psych? Because that's her reference. About about 20 minutes. When you got off the Schuylkill Expressway onto Belmont Avenue to go to Earth, if that's where you got off. You follow Spreadmore, uh, Belmont, all the way down, and it's at about, um, I think it's 37th or, or 38th and, and um, Chestnut, I want to say. I 
think it's chestnut or spruce, but it's down, it's about 20 minutes away. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm so. fortunately they were able to get in. They got to the hospital. They agreed to see him right away. Um, floor notes, this is so scary. This part finding out about his heart syndrome. Um, definitely scary stuff. And Julia heard a muffled noise in the background and said, um, and Tom was said, saying that it was going to be okay, honey, not to cry. And she asked and was told, yes, that Diane was with him. And Julia was so sorry to hear and asked what the, exactly was going on. And Tom told her that they had just met with the doctor and they've identified what was happening with the baby as hyperplastic left heart syndrome. And Julia said that she had never heard of that before and what was it? And Tom told her that it meant the baby only had half a heart. And then he then added that it's fatal. And Julia just broke down, you know, saying, oh my God, it really was yeah. super hard. Um, it was, you know, it, it 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 was tough, and and Tom said he that he she that the baby wouldn't survive without the surgery, mm -hmm. and uh, that they would operate after the baby was born, and that's if Diana could or Diane could carry the term, right? Sometimes, and then Tom's voice kind of breaks off there because sometimes you you do lose the baby. Um, Julia asked if it could be fixed and he told her that there is surgery to repair his heart but it will never be normal and he'd be on all kinds of medication for the rest of his life and she asked what could they do and Tom said pray so I, I added a, uh, a link into the chat box about um, what the uh, hypoplastic left heart syndrome is and it's actually from the CHOP website uh, which is it's a birth defect that affects the normal blood flow through the heart. As the baby develops during pregnancy, the left side of the heart does not form correctly, and hypoplastic left heart syndrome is one of the types of the congenital heart defects. Congenital means present at birth, so that it's, it's not something that's carried genetically through people. So Julia then began to cry, and, she's, and Gabriel took the phone from her, and uh, he told Tom that, you know, he asked if, uh, you know, do you want us to get to a hotel room near the, near the hospital? And as he started to say no, Diane uh, interrupted them, and, and then he accepted the offer. And uh, he, so Gabriel's going to be setting up a, a room um, getting them a room together for the for the hospital and Tom with all that information. He also asked maybe there could be a second opinion to either um, New York or Boston, because I know Boston Children's is very good with this, as is um, Cornell Weill Presbyterian, New York Presbyterian up in, mm -hmm. in New York. Um, Tom said things that were that things were kind of up in the air at the moment, and he asked also if he needed Julia to come out to him. You know, I mean, it's her brother; he's her father. You know, to support each other, and he said that there wasn't really too much, and 
gave them just a, you know, basically, if you need her, just let us know. We'll right. Yeah. And then she gave the phone back to Gabriel and said uh, she wanted, because she wanted to speak with them. And told Tom to take care. And Tom had thanked him, too. Um, in the chat, yeah. Elena notes, this is definitely a side for Tom that Julie is not used to seeing, the new improved emotional dad. Floor said, mm -hmm. so true, Elaine, Black Lab Lady. He's letting his emotional side surface. Betty says, I think this happened because Diane is pregnant and a little older than a woman in his 20s. It's my theory. Shell said, while this situation is so horrible, where was this concern for Julia? And Anna says, a very emotional interaction. Julianne is truly concerned about her father's new family. And Gabriel also showed true compassion as well, which absolutely, I mean, the fact that he was, I mean, Gabriel was very thoughtful in this scene. Like, immediately was like, let me get a room. How can I help ease this process yeah, yeah. for this horrible process? Honestly, talking about this, just it may, brings tears to my eyes. I just think it's, mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's just so hard. And, and, and it's it's a true family interaction when there's something very serious mm -hmm. going on, too, which, you know, which is great. As far as Shell's question about where was Tom for Julie, I, I think Tom learned a lot about children and relationship after the fact, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's... I, who knows what happened to entirely with the with uh, Julia's family situation because we only know a couple of instances when he went out to get her when she they were living I think it was in St. Louis and and back again but um, and then after the mom died and then of course there was Simon the Simon issue as well but I think he's learned a big lesson from all of that and now he's you know he's fallen in love with this woman they're having a child together and you know there's a lot of concern with that. Her health, his, the baby's health. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, Diane is such a sweet soul. And having mm -hmm. her going through this is just, it's really, it's, it's just really sad. You know, uh, we had mm -hmm. uh, Lori saying parents grow more mature and learn with age. Tom has grown in his emotions. And Shell says, I hold a grudge, as you know. <laughs> yes, we do, Shell. Um, and we Betty do. said, the baby is innocent and it's tragic. It's happening. But I think this is not the time to bring Tom's failure as a father to Julia. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, that was already pointed out to him at the hospital. When, oh, uh, Gabriel was sure <laughs> to, put, mm -hmm. um, to, to put Tom on notice that... Um, there were things he, he was done a lot differently with her. And Shell right. notes that Diane right. helped Julia more with the Natalie and Simon situation and Tom. And Betty True. also said, I think Julia's moved on and, it's, and is in a better place. Yeah, I mean, she's focused on her, her relationship with Gabriel and her, her uh -huh. studies and, you know, her, her life as a, as a married person, you know. Mm -hmm. So... That's so very on, true. The, on the phone, Julia asked Tom to please stay in touch and let them know what's going on. She also hated to bring up a wedding, but she did want to mention it and ask about it. <laughs> Shell says, 
I have not moved on. I have not moved on. <laughs> Michelle, you're great. Um, so Julia mentioned they would be in Sealands Grove for Labor Day. Um, and she reinforced that she could be there earlier than Labor Day if needed. And Tom said, you know, I'm not really sure about the wedding at this point. Julia asked if uh, he wanted them to tell Richard. And he said yes. He thanked her for that because the, the fewer people he had to retell the story to, the better. Which That I completely understand. You get to a point when you're, you're sharing tough news that you just mm -hmm. have the fatigue of having to not just tell the story, but in some ways you're comforting the people you're telling because it's such horrible news. It's just very draining emotionally. Mm -hmm. um, so he said that Diane had been on the phone with her mother and sister. So Diane's folks knew about it. And as a tear slid down her nose, Julia told her dad that she loved him and to give her love to Diane. As she hung the phone up, she went to Gabriel's arms. And uh, Anna noted that you cannot change what happened between Julian and Tom. They both need to forge an adult-child-parent relationship via honest communication. Gabriel is the more realistic understanding and what is needed to be said and acknowledged. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Our resident, our resident therapist on all things SR. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Floor notes, I think Julia's forgiven Tom for sure. She now has her marriage and career to focus on, only looking forward to her future as a professor. And Betty said, a bachelorette party for Diane is ours, is out of the question. <laughs> At this point, I think so. I think because she's got she's going to be a little bit pregnant, she's not going to be able to enjoy it either. <laughs> right, right. And uh, Tom doesn't show the remorse I feel is necessary, though Anna noted, and that I agree. I I do. Too. I, have, I don't think he's gone. He's he's gotten to that point of real, realization yet. I still think he may have some. He may that may come, but. You never know. Sometimes it never does. You never know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Julia, in uh, the arms of Gabriel, said that, you know, she just kind of was recounting her feelings. And, you know, Diane and Tom were so happy about the baby. And Gabriel tried to reassure her that they were good at the hospital. And Julia just continued on that they were devastated. Mm -hmm. And what if they couldn't fix the problem? Gabriel reminded her that doctors make predictions, but they were guided by probabilities and every patient was different. Right, you cannot be a, in the medical field and give a 100%. You just can't. I mean, you cannot predict no. a, a, an outcome. You can say it's likely to be, but you can't guarantee it. Um, you just can't. And Julie looked up at Gabriel no. and asked if he thought this was genetic. Is this something that could have been passed down? And something occurred with Gabriel as she said that. You know, 
he asked if Tom had any genetic I, health problems. So I think that caused him to take a pause. Yeah, I think that scared him a little bit, you know, and, and you know, it flashes back to Maya and what happened there, and I think that was part of the his concern. A hundred percent. On that. A hundred percent. And, uh... <clears throat> yeah, I mean, but, it's a scary point. And in the chat, you know, there's still some discussion about the Tom-Julia dynamic. Uh, Shell notes, Julia and her forgiveness let him off the hook, so he stopped trying, is what Shell noted. Um, Julianne has forgiven Tom because it suits her purpose in wanting the father she always dreamed Anna notes and Shell says mm -hmm. she's living in denial on many levels um, Anna notes that Julianne simply has chosen to forget or dissociate her childhood with Tom but continues to, line, to malign her mother so there comes a time when forgiveness to a, an, as a as an adult forgiveness to discretions your parents may have made to you comes, and it's it's not always easy, but sometimes it's just better to let sleeping dogs lie and move on with the relationship you have, and sometimes it's better to just move on totally. Mm -hmm. But um, I I think in her case. To a certain extent, she, you know, she is uh, choosing to forget and disassociate her childhood with Tom. Yeah. I don't think she'll ever forgive her mother for the, her mother's treatment. But that's, that could come in time, too, after her own motherhood. I don't know. That kind of would be an interesting thing to explore in um, if there are any future books. Uh, that SR writes, you know, kind of that reflection as Julia grows as a mother, you know, her feelings towards her own mother. Um, I think that could be interesting to explore. It could yeah. Be. Anna says, forgiveness or just give it up and move on. Absolutely, Pam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's 100%, right? I mean, it's kind of just... I mean, making that choice, you know. Yeah, you've, you've, you've got, you know, it's like I was listening to somebody the other day. Um, uh, it was uh, not related to the book, but it was regarding a something heinous, actually, like a mm -hmm. murder. And the victim's kin, I don't know whether it was a mother, sister, wife, I don't know where that relationship was, I just because I don't remember chose forgiveness of that person because having that hate in your heart can, 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 you know, it can damage it. It can, you know, just move on and, and just say, yes. let it go, as Julia yes. says. And uh, Betty does as well. She said Julia is choosing to go with Elsa from Frozen's mantra, let it go. Mm -hmm. And Floor said, agreed, Pam, everyone's situation is different as well, and we all cope differently. And Shell notes, I give them up to God and move on. And Shell, I love that you use that phrase, because a woman that I used to work with would say that. And I just, I just, yeah, she's like, give it up to God. If you can't, you know, if you can't deal with it, you got to move on. Well, 
On, on a personal basis, uh, my, my father became estranged from the family when I was about 32, I guess. And um, all because I, I did not send him a Father's Day card. Okay? That, that's what it was all over. And uh, which was explained to him the next day, but that doesn't count. And uh, my son got very upset with it, and he, he was, I think he was about 10 or 11 at the time. He had written a note to my father and said, you know, I know, I don't know what's going on with you and mom, but I know you're not talking, but I want you to know that I love you. And he did this all on his own, not without any prompting. He made a heart and cut it so it was like a broken heart. Mm -hmm. And said, tape it together. And even if we never talk again, if I get the heart back taped together, I know you'll love you love me. My father never did that. Uh. And I was I wiped my father out. <laughs> I did. You know, you hurt my child. Right. That that's the mama bear the and, mama bear uh, came out from the cave. Mama bear came out. And uh, about Seven or eight months before my father passed away, um, he, his uh, companion his, his, that he was living with at the time um, called and said that my dad had got was had been put into a nursing home because he his one kidney he he only had one mm -hmm. kidney was failing and he was doing I think dialysis like three four times a week and it, the prognosis was not good. So my sister and I spoke, and we went down, and it's not so much that I forgave him, but I, I, I let him feel forgiveness so that he could move on to the next level of whatever life he had left. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember the last Christmas we spent together, Patrick would not go into his house. My father came out in a wheelchair to my car and had my had, had coaxed Patrick to come in the house. Mm -hmm. So he was trying to make it. Yes. So. Well, as Anna noted, hurt me, but not my child. And mm -hmm. Lori said that was very sweet of Patrick, and it was really was. It was very it was. sweet. Um, and you know, I think it's a very compelling story about the uh, this whole idea of choosing to let it go, choosing forgiveness or just giving up and moving on, as Anna put it, I think is very powerful. And Anna notes um, regarding the Julia's mother, because her mother is dead and there's no older siblings um, to extol the parents like Gabriel had, Julianne has nobody to say anything good about her mother. And the brown-eyed angel hasn't reached that level of compassion for her mother, which is true and uh, Flora agreed with Shell and Black Lab Lady give it to God Ashley says also I don't pray to change God I pray to change me and she said my stepdad was going through the same thing with his kidneys so I hope that he can get um, he's able to have some good outcomes Ashley I know that can be very scary mm -hmm. it is and and hello, Miss Kenzie. Kenzie joins. Welcome. I'm sorry. 
Sorry, I don't know why you couldn't join at the top of the hour. Yeah, we actually weren't late here. today. <laughs> Act, yeah. Shocking, I know. Um, so Elena noted to you, Pam, you gave him closure and you took the high road. So mm -hmm. that's a really, really good thing. And, and as we wrap up the chapter discussion, you know, the discussion and the concern mm -hmm. about wondering if Tom had any genetic health problems, Julia wasn't sure. Um, and Gabriel wasn't sure about the genetics. And it was times like this that he actually wished he had an MD as opposed to a PhD. And as she cried in Gabriel's uh -huh. arms, she realized that the grief she felt must be felt tenfold by Tom and Diane. Um, and I'm just seeing a note. There's no sound. I'm okay. I've got sound here. I'm just typing. Can others hear us? Mm -hmm. um, Never mind. She says it's it's okay. Um, so, you know, Julia realized that the grief she felt must be tenfold, tenfold by Tom and Diane. How could they prepare themselves for that? They're just devastated. And while she leaned against mm -hmm. Gabriel, she did not notice the expression on his face or the flash of horror in his eyes. Yeah, I can, I can, I can only imagine what he was feeling at that point. Oh. Absolutely. I, you know, he's trying, you know, su he's supporting Julia and that's wonderful, but also that it flicker in the back of his brain because he feels so much at fault for Maya's death. Right, right. So. Right, and it's, uh, I think it is terrifying and he's wondering if his genes led to that. Um, it's really, really hard. And, and more chat it on is. Julia and her mother, uh, Anna notes Julian's mother is the easy target for blame. Tom actually perpetuates this, and he could actually give Julian the idea of a mother that she needs. And Betty says, but I think Julia's mom caused more pain because she put her daughter's life in danger, not just with negligence, but also by exposing her to possible sexual predators. Tom didn't know this was happening at the time, so in some way, in some ways it's not his fault. Um, I think his logical mind understands it, but the emotional part of his uh, mind does not mm -hmm. yet at this point. It's true. You know, and that happens. That happens. It does. It does. And Anna notes, absolutely, Betty Julianne should have been removed as a child from the mother. That's the system failed her. And they did. It did. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, she Absolutely. she actually probably could have turned out much, much worse. It could have gone much, much in a much different direction for her. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Shell says Julia was abandoned by her parents as was basically and was basically an emotional orphan. And Betty says at least Gabriel understands what Tom must be going through and has been gentle to Tom and Julia, which is true. I mean, because Gabriel does have that level of empathy that you gain when you go through something like that type of a loss. And Anna notes that Tom will not accept his fault. 
Like, he hasn't. No, he won't. He hasn't. And it's just hard. It's angsty. And I think, mm-hmm. I think this was a pivotal chapter in the fact that this kind of also, the realization that he, he needs to know about his, his health and his background, his, his family health history, I think is going to play a lot in the future chapters. And it does, as we know. Mm-hmm. Um, so Absolutely. It is a pivotal chapter. And hopefully um, when SR returns online, um, we can share some of the answers that to the questions we posed. We had asked mm-hmm. him, yeah. Because I yeah. think we'll inform uh, where, like, where SR's mind was, what his intentions were. Um, that is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and Shell notes that Anna's statement about Tom will not accept his fault is where her grudges exactly <laughs> shows. And Anna says mine too, because the basis of change is admitting the truth and reality. Yes. Mm-hmm. You mess up, you fess up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Kenzie's saying, I think it, it takes strength, compassion, maturity to forgive Tom. I think those who have gone through a family dynamic like that can understand where Julie is coming from. Of course, everyone deals with their trauma and forgiveness differently, so I don't feel anyone can judge Julia for her choice on this matter. They're both choosing to move on. Tom has a lack of emotional depth when it comes to expressing himself. And uh, Betty agrees and says Tom needs therapy. He needs you, Anna. Which is true. (laughs) Get him on your couch. Anna, we've got the couch lined up for you. The family dynamic of the uh, Mitchell and (laughs) Emerson Anna family. Yeah, it's a lot. It was, you know, it is for SR for crafting this. Very, very uh, distinct characters. Mm-hmm. And plot lines behind them. It's true. It's very true. So I know next, uh, our next chapter next week is going to take us in a little time machine. We're going to be going back in time to 2003, I believe. So, yeah. <laughs> and Anna says, I need the huge serpentine couch. <laughs> <laughs> we could all join. We could all that join you do. <laughs> be a group, group, group therapy. <laughs> group therapy is right. Oh my gosh! Speaking of ther- group therapy, I just watched. Uh, Netflix has a new show called Louder Milk. Um, with okay. the actor, ironically, and I'm blanking on his name now, but the actor who actually played the guy in Sex and the City, Burger, who dumped. Who, who dumped Carrie <laughs> with a post-it note? See, it all comes through full circle. It does. It, it comes it's full actually circle, yes. really. Uh, Peter Farrelly is one of the creators behind it, and it's really very funny. Um, it's a, it's dark. It's dark humor. Um, he mm-hmm. runs a group therapy for uh, addiction, and um, but he's he's not your typical therapist. 
he's pretty much of a jerk. But um, mm-hmm. it's, it's really well done. Um, like I said, it's it's yeah, pretty Ron dark. Livingston. It's dark, and it's you know definitely Ron Livingston. definitely deals with addiction. So if you need to be uh, if that's too close to home and you can't watch things like that, don't. But it's it was it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, and Anna said there is actually a facility near her that has a huge red leather couch serpentine couch in the waiting room it's the weirdest setup oh wow <laughs> and, Be- and Betty's like it could be Jerry Springer and everybody's yelling Anna <laughs> oh my gosh that's hilarious that's where Singer's gonna uh-huh. meet Anna Shep said uh-huh. now that would be a fanfic <laughs> yeah that would be uh, an interesting no, I, you know, the Flynn and Christian would not be Anna and Sarah. <laughs> um, no, definitely not. So. So, anyway. All right. Well, this, as always, so, has been great. It's a great way to start the weekend. Um, talking about mm-hmm. our favorite, one of our favorite stories with you guys. Um, yes. So thanks for joining us today. And thanks for your indulgence as I podcast from Starbucks. And I am hoping everyone has a great weekend. You too. And safe travels and keep warm next week. Yes, yes. Because I understand the Arctic vortex is, is on its uh, way. And uh, <laughs> no. the snow is going to be uh, fun. And uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. Because you can go either way with it, and uh, <laughs> that's for sure. We'll talk all next week, and we'll talk all next week. That's right. And thank you, thank you, thank you, Eddie Bauer, for my new coat. <laughs> Minus thirty degrees, it takes. <laughs> you might need it, so I'll be good. <laughs> I probably will. All right. <laughs> talk to, talk to you all later. You have a good week. And this morning, I'm going to leave us with. Um. A little John Coltrane. (laughs) So have a good day, everyone. Take care.